Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I am Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? It's the Sir Alf Ramsey Odyssey. Apologies last week. We didn't actually get on any Sir Alf Ramsey, but what we did instead was probably one of the best episodes we've done ever, I reckon. Um, so fuck it. We'll get back to Sir Alf today, hopefully. Um... Well, let's just plough into it, shall we? And try not to get mm. distracted. Plough uh, it. Yeah, pod ploughing. Uh, plough the pod. Yeah. Uh, we're into the... We're still into the fucking introduction of the book and I don't think we're going to get any further than that, to be quite fair, because anything else would be overly ambitious. Uh, we're at a bit where it says, amongst the Oxbridge degrees of the sporting, political or diplomatic establishments... Alf felt all too aware of his humble origins and lack of education. Because, yeah, he was mingling yeah, with these um, he was mingling with these people who, at the FA, they will have all been public school bred uh, people mm. who rose to the top almost effortlessly. And then, of course, he was dealing with political figures, establishment figures, because he was a World Cup winner. Do you know what I mean? He was an important person. But inside, he just felt like a little, a little shit, maybe. Could a you? little worm. Yeah, I felt nothing. A shit worm. Yes, I feel like a, a human form of cancer. But I'm forced to mingle with these people on a daily basis. I can um, see the look in their eyes as I speak to them. Oh, they smile, their patronising smiles. But their <laughs> eyes betray their true thoughts. Look at him, like a tumour. A worm carrying a tumour made of shit. <laughs> I know they want to destroy me, but I will not be destroyed by them. Or maybe I will. Maybe my destruction will be self-imposed. Self-destruction. My insecurities. What, what a way to go. Sleepless nights. The thing is about it is people of that um, generation, I, I think, and first of all, it's not like me and you don't have chips on our shoulders. Of course we fucking do. Oh, yeah. But I think that generations prior to ours, it was I do think they had much bigger chips on their shoulders when it came to things like education and class. I really yeah. do. Yeah. I think I look at my dad and his siblings and I, I can't get my fucking head around the degree to which, you know, they sort of were falling over themselves to be more, how can I put it, hoity-toity than their roots to disguise right. their background yeah. yeah which is not something that uh you or i 
or lots of people, I guess, in our generation mm. feel the need or certainly the desire to do, right? Well, I and mean, if, if, we, I think, if we did, if we did that, that ill-fitted meeting we had with Julian Fellows wouldn't have gone as badly as it was if I'd made more <laughs> of an effort to, let's say, humanise myself. Well, that's myself. a really good example. It's a good example. Like, you didn't... We were meeting this man who was... He's one of British Britain's poshest men, right? <laughs> A, a lovely man, a lovely posh man. He was. He um, was. He was lovely. No, no doubt, him. really well educated, and, and you know, had written the most famous posh person program possibly of all time. Yeah. So, but we didn't fucking for one moment think. You know, it wasn't like you were really thinking. Oh, oh, what if he judges me? You're thinking he needs to fucking worry about whether I'm going to judge him. The cunt, right? <laughs> Now, I used to think, oh, fucking hell, my dad and all his brothers and sisters are so fucking phony and pretentious, blah, blah, blah. But, and they are, but I sort of thought to myself, yeah, but I, it, it can't, it must be to do with what you actually felt like you needed to do to survive in those days because people yeah. were so much more fucking brazen. Establishment people mm. were so much more brazen in their disdain for anyone who wasn't from within you know because it all started changing in like the 50s I think after the war but it took a long time to change so our parents who grew up in the fucking 50s you know they were still having to like oh you are not gonna you are gonna be you, you will not be taken seriously or liked or fucking get anything nice yourself and so you're like oh, fuck I better hide who I am then do you know mm. what I mean that's how I'm because I'm reading this now I'm thinking do you think fucking Gareth Southgate Right, who I don't know what his background is, but I don't think he's from particular. I, I know he wasn't fucking. He doesn't have an Oxbridge degree, right? He might not be from the gutter, but I don't mm. think he's from like you know the really fucking well-heeled establishment classes or anything. But I mean, he doesn't well, really did care. Did, I, did, he, did he not turn down a university place to become a footballer? Well, maybe so, but this is like you're talking about Oxbridge degrees, and oh, there, no, there's a big no, difference. No, there's a I'm big looking, difference. It, do you know it, what I mean? It got it got eight O levels, a grades between A and C, which is all right. Yeah, you know that's fucking it's decent. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose what I'm um saying is is that I think it was a bigger deal because I not just my old man like I see it in my in-laws my mother-in-law I see it in a lot of people and I used to find it irritating but I realize now that for their generation it was a big deal much bigger deal I think mm. that society whatever people say I'm not saying that the class system isn't still a thing of course it is and of course you're held back by I mean you know economics fucking dictates pretty much everything but I just think that it was a fucking... It sent them mad with anxiety, a lot of these kids, who were trying to enter different parts of society but didn't feel that they had the the, the correct background. I think it's drifting back in that direction, though. I think Maybe, definitely, yeah. definitely in the media. And when you look at, like, um, performers like actors and, and bands, a lot of them now seem to be a lot more middle class than they used to be. That's definitely true. I think that's definitely true. And that, again, is the economy. Everything comes back to socioeconomics. But I think that there's cultural elements of class as well, isn't there? Because your social economic background is probably your more relevant now than it was like when we started. You know, certainly when I started in the media 20 years ago, 
you know, I would say it's pro- it's it's definitely much harder for people now than it was for me then, right? Mm. Um, and but I think culturally, I don't know whether it's as bad as it was back when we're going back to like the fifties, sixties, seventies, because I think that it's rare because it's just not fucking practical or possible for a lot of kids to get a break in an industry like the media unless they're from like a privileged background now and there's very real practical reasons for that not least because it's still all fucking based in london right yeah um but you're not uh openly you might be not openly but you're not openly sneered at or belittled or condescended to if you so much in if you've got a regional accent or you appear to be from mm. a working class. You, you might be a little bit you know, but it's not. I think it was brazen back in those days. I think it was mm. like, well, we're not even fucking interviewing you. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure that's gone away in terms of accents. I know a lot of people who've gone away to university and have gradually lost their accent because it's been put not convenient, but almost required. And they know mm. it's required. Do you know what I mean? I mean, my accent isn't as strong as it was when I was younger. And that's partly because mm. I've, I've worked with people who are based in London. And you need to, you know, soften it to be able to be fucking understood. Also, because I used to work at call centres as well, and you can't oh, yeah. be full on Macam when you're at a call centre. Direct My accent inquiries. changes depending what, on what, what room I'm in. What? What's that? Is that Chinese takeaway or something? Wait, eh? Can you spell it? How do you spell it? What American embassy is it? No, what you want that for? Uh, oh, it's it's about that nine eleven crap. Ah, uh, look, listen, pet, it's down. They're both down now. There's no point <laughs> ringing the embassy. If you know anyone that was in there, they're fucked. Right? So yeah, you no, you don't waste your, your money on a phone call. So um, yeah. I, anyway, I, uh, I my, my accent is comedian. Like I think I've told you before that my um my my wife is, knows who I'm on the phone to even from quite a long distance, depending on <laughs> like yeah, how London voice. my accent sounds, <laughs> you know. And for instance, anyone, I, oh, I forgot to talk about this on the show, but I did make a recent appearance on Radio 4 on Front Row again, mate, which, as you know, is like, for me, That's the ultimate. Diff- yeah, yeah, you'll drop everything for that, won't you? Yeah, They asked me to go on to, um, I reviewed that thing about the care home with um, Stephen Graham in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They asked me to do that, and I was like, "Oh yes, it really is a masterpiece," you know. Was so there, obviously, was, that's my Ray. Was there a fee? Yeah, there's a fee. Oh, there's a fee. That's good. Oh yeah, I mean, I would asked, do it. Though. You wouldn't have asked. No, no, a fee. no, no. But I know with the BBC that you just get a fee. That is a not for a guest appearance on the BBC. You just get some random amount of money paid into your account, and they sort it all out. You don't have to invoice. But <laughs> do you need my uh, account yeah, details? No, no, we have them. We're the BBC. No. Yeah, we have everything. We're outside your home now watching you to make sure that you're not naked while you broadcast down the line. But I um, I I would have done it for free because obviously, you know, (laughs) that's what I aspire aspire to be a radio for. Hello and welcome to Front Row with me, Sam Delaney. But um, I remember once Kaz Pennant called me on a Sunday when I was at my mum's having lunch and I said, I've just got to take this call. And I went into the next room and I was speaking loudly, as I Mm. do. And my brother said, who the fuck's he on the phone to? And my wife said, without even looking up for a meal, I'll be Kaz Pennant. And they went, how do you know that? And he said, because I can tell because he's gone like about 10 times more cockney than he is (laughs) in normal life. 
But I, you know, you don't notice you're doing it. I don't. Anyway. So, uh, uh, what, what, where were we? Was that anything to do with anything? I don't know. We'll get sidetracked again. Yeah, Alf Ramsey. It's very much to do with Alf Ramsey because I think it's interesting a man like him being that. I suppose what it is is I'm reading. I'm thinking, what's his problem? He's won the fucking World Cup. Why does he give a fuck? Yeah, yeah. These people are just fucking nobodies who, who've it's, got it's, been it's, born yeah, with silver yeah. spoon in their mouth. Yeah. And that to me seems strange to me. It seems yeah. strange that he gave so much of a fuck. But yeah. I realised that things were different then. And, and it, was, well. it felt like a much bigger deal. And obviously, he's, he's obviously got this deep-rooted insecurity that's always been there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not just... It didn't just happen when he became the World Cup winner. It's, it's something that's been with him all his life, I think. Yeah, because and it becomes more pronounced when he's put in a room with these fancy people. Yeah, if you haven't got that insecurity, you just gradually assimilate yourself in whichever area you move into, mm. you know, and you feel comfortable with it. I, that's how I feel anyway. That's how I felt mm. with Julian Fellows. I thought, mm. well, I've met, you know, I've... Uh, I've, I've, you said, I, you were like, I've met Maharajas, princes. I've met them sultans. all, mate. Yeah. Sultans. <laughs> I've, I've met them all, so I'm not going to shit myself when I'm in a room with fucking Mr. Downton Abbey. Which I've never even watched. Probably wouldn't even like. I've but, never uh, even watched your show. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it shite. I'm working class, you see. It's not for me. <laughs> you know, if you've written a Venus I like, in Petty- I like Bullseye, mainly. <laughs> And my soaps. <laughs> <laughs> so is bingo was... a telly program or is that theatre? Yeah, well, I like bingo as well. <laughs> Born into a poor rural Essex family, Alf left school at fourteen and took his first job as a delivery boy for the Dagenham Co-op. <laughs> So, I mean, there you go. Do you know what I mean? It says he devised a number of strategies. One was to erect a social barrier against the world. I will erect a social barrier against the world. <laughs> against the entire world. It says he erected a social barrier against the world, avoiding all forms of intimacy, even with Mrs. Probably. Ramsey. <laughs> we mm. used to make love through a muslin sheet. <laughs> <laughs> No exchange, no potential contamination or exchange of microscopic bacterium. <coughs> um, avoided all forms of intimacy. This is why he could appear so aloof, even downright rude. From his earliest days as a professional, he was reluctant to open up to anyone. So there you are. It was there all the way through his life. He's fucking. He's fucked in the head, basically. Um, it's this. I'm my- bonkers in the nut, and I don't <laughs> care who knows it. It's society that's made me this way. <laughs> I'm unpredictable, so stay stay a close distance <laughs> away. I could crack at any time. I invented social distancing long before this COVID <laughs> bullshit. Um, Two metres apart. That's the Ramsey rule. <laughs> <laughs> I even said it to the Queen when she gave me my fucking knighthood. Two metres apart, Mom. <laughs> Or suffer the consequences. <laughs> Two metres apart and a muslin cloth acro- around the head. <laughs> I said, you take one step nearer and I'll take that sword off of you and rub it up your ass. <laughs> You've been warned. <laughs> uh, I caught you, I said, take kindly to that. But then they had won the World Cup and I had. <laughs> That's why I'm here, you cunts. Um, yeah. It says this is why he could often appear aloof, even downright rude. From his earliest days as a professional, he was reluctant to open anyone. This distance might have been invaluable in retaining his authority as a manager, but it also prohibited the formation of close friendships. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that's sad, isn't it? I, I have, have no, no close friendships, which is very sad for me. <laughs> Sometimes I would like to have someone who I could play games with, chat to, <laughs> share get- intimacies, but no, it was never to be. I toyed with the idea of getting a parakeet, but I found the bright colours unpredictable. <laughs> In the end, I painted a face on a, onto a football. The football that Jeff Haas scored his legendary goal that never was with. Uh, I called him Spencer, and we became close friends. I told him many things about myself. One night we kissed, but we never spoke of that again. <laughs> I placed him on a plinth on a shelf at head height. We would have many... Long conversations where I would remain standing the whole time. One night, Lady Ramsay came in to the garage where I kept him on his plinth and found us dancing to the song Lady in Red. (laughs) 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 I would always have a conversation with him standing up. I find it impossible to have a relaxed conversation while seated. I need to be on the move at all times in case I need to escape. (laughs) A gentleman never speaks to someone while sat. That is slovenly. It's the Greek way. If you go to Greek, or Spain for that matter, all of them are sat about. Like slobs, discussing matters of the day, playing dominoes, drinking their alcohol and so forth. Not an English gentleman. (laughs) On his feet, upright, with a straight back at all times. Pacing, pacing around the room. Backwards, forwards, sideways. (laughs) And Uh, on occasion, where it calls for it, diagonally. (laughs) Sometimes hopping from foot to foot. But always on the move. Um, <laughs> always in motion. A I M. Jalapeno. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Jalapeño. Uh, Pat Goodbold, his secretary through his spell as Ipswich manager from 55 to 63, says, I was 20 when Alf came here. My first impression was he was a shy man. I think that right up to his death, he was a very shy man. You could not get like to know shy. him. Very shy. Very shy. Don't look at me. Stop it. <laughs> You're making me giggle. Stop it now. <laughs> uh, 
I think that right up to his death, he was a very shy man. You could not get to know him. He was a good man to work for, but I can honestly say that I never got to know him. Pat Godbold, if you never got to know me, I say that for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got Should have liked to have get to know me. <laughs> yes. He was always giving me the eye. It was disgusting. Yes. But no. She would come in wearing low-cut dresses. I knew what she was after. And she would have got it as well. A siren. She would have got it as well if I didn't have Spencer to confide in back in the garage. <laughs> Spencer, there is a siren at my workplace trying to t- tempt me siren. with her painted face and low-cut dresses. What should I do? He silent spoke volumes. <laughs> we kissed. Ah. Once again, you- Spencer, your silence speaks volumes. You are so wise. Spencer and I, I kissed. I don't know what I should do without you in my life. Uh, what else? You know That's that how he's shy. You know, I've been watching the um, Simpsons, the, the Sopranos recently, mm. and a character who I'd forgotten how much I loved is the character of uh, Bobby Bacala, who yeah. starts off as the sort of assistant to Junior, yeah. and then later in the show ends up um, marrying Janice. Yes. And he's brilliant. He's the one who now does a podcast with mm-hmm. Christopher about the podcast. They're, the uh, they're making it into a book as well. I think they've just transcribed oh, the podcast. That's an idea, oh, transcribing podcasts. Oh, yeah. put a Sounds book nice. We've got that. We've got to log into one of them transcription things now as well. <laughs> yeah, get fucking entire... results spot to do it. There you go. There's a few typos, but people won't mind that. <laughs> Transcription complete. Four thousand million words. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Publish that, you cunt. Now, shall I send it to Hoddard Stoughton? But there are no paragraph breaks. Now, sorry, that would cost you extra. We'd have to get someone in to do the paragraph breaks. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, but there's a great bit in it recently where he go, he takes Junior to the doctors and they're talking about his cancer mm. and Junior's like asking questions. When they leave, he goes mental. He's always telling Bobby Bacalar off because he's a sort of a timid presence and he, he, he tells him off because he goes, fuck's sake, it says for you to bring another adult with you to ask questions because you might be too stressed to get, to ask questions for Australia. You didn't say a fucking word the whole time we were in there. And Bobby Bacala, who's this enormous... I mean, he's like twice as big as Tony Soprano, isn't he? Yeah. He just goes to him. He shrugs and he goes, Junior, shyness is a curse. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favourite lines in The Sopranos. Because it's just so funny that there's this fucking New Jersey mafiosa enforcer yeah. who comes out of a line like, shyness is a curse. I um... love it. I went to see many scenes of Newark yesterday. Oh yeah, underwhelming. Disappointed. Disappointed. Underwhelming. Disappointed. Yeah, I've I've had that vibe from the things I've read. I, there's not been much talk about it or publicity, and I, I that raised my suspicions. So I thought, what you're talking about here is the most popular television program of all time. Yeah. And after however many years it's been away for, mm-hmm. it's now a prequel movie. This is the sort of shit. In the stars, you know, as people fucking lose their fucking shit over it. Yeah. And it's been very low-key. And I start to think, there must be a reason for that. It must be that it's <laughs> not very good. And I the studio are kind of trying to... Yeah, I think a lot of people are, like, kind of going to see it and then just not talking about it. <laughs> because they yeah. don't want to be... Um, but it was like, it, it hasn't got any of the humour or the heart. Like, that line you mentioned there hasn't got any... There's mm. a few funny bits... But there's there's not a lot of humour. There's none of the heart. And there's there's the Sopranos has got loads of brilliant women characters in it, hasn't it? Yes. And there's none of that in this other than Livia. 
an early version of Livia, which is a pretty good impersonation of the the later version of her. Yeah. Um, and it's just a lot of men being cunts for about two hours. Mm. And it's just... That's my problem. As I've got older, that's why I've gone off Scorsese, because I think I, I loved it when I was a younger bloke, because the films are quite adolescent in a way. Yeah. I know people try to elevate them, and they'll be... The vast majority of people listening to this will go, oh, Scorsese's a genius. But ultimately, if you watch The Irishman, all of the female figures in these fucking things are two-dimensional, yeah. whimpering, sideshow acts, right? Yeah. And it's not like I'm making a stand for feminism here. It's just that if you're a really good storyteller, you're capable of doing more than getting a sort of adolescent hard-on over tough guys in fancy suits. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is what a lot of Scorsese and not to, not least fucking Tarantino's the worst. It's like nerds who are impressed by tough guys and have this quite yeah. two-dimensional idea of these tough guys. And what was good about Sopranos is David Chase. He's like, well, let's examine these people as fucking three-dimensional human beings rather than yeah. comic book characters, yeah. you know. Right. We've got a situation here, right? I've got a wireless printer in this room. Mm. And yeah. my son, who was off school today has printed something off and he said he was going to do this at some point while I'm doing a podcast he's printed yeah. something off the idea is that I go over and look at it now see what he yeah. sent me so brilliant. I'll do that I'll go over this is brilliant that is so good I'll show you there it's a, 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 a bloodfish and yeah, he's put blobfish. ask Sam what his favourite cheese is oh uh, cheddar Cheddar, house cheese. Good mature cheddar, Malakantire cheddar, not any cheddar. So there. Malakantire cheddar, which unfortunately has been discontinued, discontinued unless you're willing it? to buy it in massive it's, bulk. It's retired from public life, <laughs> the cunt. Yeah, and do you know what my second favourite cheese is? Parmesan. Yeah. And what did I find out recently? Full of the meat. cunt's got meat in it. So <laughs> you're looking at a bloke whose two favourite cheeses in the world are no longer available to him. Fucked over by your favourite cheeses. I'm, but I'm yeah. on fucking. I'm on third tier cheese here, mate. <laughs> so yeah, the, the little bastard's fucking done that. He's done what he said he was going to do. He's wirelessly sent system. a document from elsewhere in the house. It feels so good because it sort of feels simultaneously quite modern, but really old fashioned too. Yeah, he's yeah, basically I... sending you a house fax, an internal fax. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pretend brilliant. I'm not impressed by it, the bastard. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well done, well done, DJ Beans. Um, yeah, n- talking yeah, of sons in your- winding you up, we, we just briefly we've now released the Bear Ten, which is Len's Leniverse mm. podcast, out into the. It was just on Substack, now it's everywhere. But mm. fuck me, he's warmed to it, and he's now just he now sees it as a vehicle to publicly criticise and humiliate me, and let's just say get a lot <laughs> off his chest. <laughs> so it feels like it's becoming more about that than the Leniverse. <laughs> So you, I mean, you admit that you use these podcasts as almost a form of therapy, and now Len's yeah. doing the same with his, but against well, you. but his is more mad. I, I always say I've sort of used you as a free therapist. In fact, <laughs> yeah. not even free, because we get paid for it, so <laughs> yeah. it's reverse, right? But um, It pays for your actual this therapy. is different. This is mad. This is aversion therapy. This is like sit down with your dad and tell him <laughs> everything that you don't like about him. <laughs> And he only refers to me throughout the whole thing as Boring John. Oh, fuck Will not acknowledge any other fucking name for me. Oh, man. Go listen to them. And he's told me he wants to do T-shirts with Boring John on them as well. Well, you can't agree to that, make money you? You've got image himself. rights. You've got image rights. Yeah, but he reckons because he made up the name. 
Oh, 50-50 then maybe. I don't officially go by the name Boring John, do I? Oh, I actually don't acknowledge given... it, but... Yeah. yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, you're losing, you're losing all... It's a grey area. Legally, it's a grey area, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, just while we're talking about that blobfish thing, one of the mm. um, one of the things that we, I recommended on Turbo Tally, which is the TV roundup for IFS Turbo yeah. subscribers, I'll, I'll give that a little glimpse because it's Wednesday night, so that's tonight... BBC Four, and it's a thing called The Blob, a genius without a brain. And I don't know what it is, but here's the blurb about yeah. it, right? 50 minutes long. Documentary about leading scientists' investigations into the properties of a one billion year old single cell organism that might challenge our concept of intelligent life. I don't know what wow. that means, but I'm watching but, it. Yeah, that's getting watched. <laughs> blob. That's better than Downton Abbey, surely. Yeah, genius blob. But 10pm BBC 4 and obviously mm-hmm. I play a subsequent currently being used to select the chart date for yeah. <laughs> obscure music podcast top flight tune machine I think it's it's cousin yeah um, so many saints in Newark I'm sorry but it, uh, that's a shame but I'm going to see it anyway mate yeah you I should you should see it mm. I mean, and I'm fascinated so- to see uh, Gandolfini's son playing Tony I think that's yeah, interesting I was but it looks like John Cusack so I can't get past that. He looks really? really yeah, looks yeah, like I know Cusack. what you mean, actually. Yeah, he does. He does. Because, like, I'm trying to look so at his he's face. He's got sad eyes. Yeah, I'm looking for, like, glimpses of Gandolfini and his expressions and stuff. And all I see is John Cusack. So that was fucking fruitless as well. Could well, they both have sad eyes. Be- beautiful but sad eyes. Yeah. Cusack and the Gandolfini family. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Just I mean, this, quick, this- have I ever told, and I don't know whether... I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to do it now, I promise you that, because it's... A long story, but it's up there in the best I've ever heard. The Paul Dunan and James Gandolfini story on this you podcast. You have told it to me, yes. Oh, good. Thank God. I've told it to you, but not on the podcast. I can't I will remember keep you told on the, the podcast. Huh? I, don't th- I don't think you have. Don't well, get in touch have. if you're listening and you and that rings a bell and you're a long-time listener. Let me know, because I don't want to rehash it. If I haven't told it, that means I should probably call Danan and ask for permission. Although we might have to get him on. I might pre-record him telling me it on voice notes because his version is very good. Yeah, I, I thought that you hadn't told it because Danan was going to put it in his podcast. I think that's why you didn't. Yeah, tell he it. probably has by now. Though his podcast's been going ages. And and uh, but if you don't know the 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 hub of all of this is that Paul Danan and James Gandolfini mm. were really good mates. And yes. that is, I know that sounds mad. That sounds like something made up in Viz, but it's really true. Yeah. And that's the starting point of the story. And what's funny is, is that when I was working at Talksport one night and the news broke that James Gandolfini had died, producers were running around going, who can we get on the line to do a tribute to James Gandolfini? Who on earth could we have the number of who mm. knew James Gandolfini? And I've casually gone, Paul Danan was mates with him. And everyone's gone, fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> but they got him on the line, sure enough. And he, he didn't tell the story, did he? <laughs> he didn't tell the story, but we will tell the story. I'll, I'll line that up. Maybe for, oh, maybe for Turbo Cunters only, because it's such Ooh. a good story. I'll just get a voicemail. <clears throat> I'll get a voice note and put it out as Turbo content. Well, tell it on this Friday's uh, video live stream. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll get Paul on the phone and I'll film it. And we'll film it while he talks to me on speakerphone. Yeah. Yeah, do or that. Or I'll just do a Zoom call with him. One of them. Yeah. Do yeah. that. Um, where are we at? Yeah, we run out of time. 
basically. I'm not going to yeah, get fair back enough. Well, we got quite now. a lot of Alf done. I'm not going to get back at this off now when we're at 30 minutes. But he was a shy yeah. man. That's what we've learned. And um, shyness is a curse. New idea a curse. for a T-shirt? Well, our Red Bubble store is now up and running again. You <laughs> can find the address via uh, our website, tftimemachine.com, or just go on Red Bubble and search if, for us. If you want to buy a shyness is a curse T-shirt, no. Just get the Nervous Lovemaker one. That's all you need. I don't. I haven't redone those yet, but we'll I will do those. Not all the old stock is yet, but there are some new T-shirts and things yeah. available on there now. Well, hurry up then, because nearly Christmas. I don't know. They're all on there, and yeah. uh, I'll be doing some major promo for it tonight. All right. Okay, that's it. Thanks, everybody, for us listening listen to us fucking wittering on for half an hour. Uh, <laughs> back again more sort of next week, probably. Ta-ra! Thanks a lot. Lesbians. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.